Welcome to Death Holler, the place of haunted hearts and haunted homes. We welcome you to Death Manor, the home that boasts the most ghosts. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Take a look around. You might see someone that you recognize. Do you hear those voices? That's just the Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. They're so happy to see you. Sit back and relax. Make yourself at home. Your new home. And remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is my co-host, La Urena. Today we are discussing Barbarian, the uh, 2022 film. And yes, folks, this is a spoiler cast, so we will be discussing uh, everything about this movie. And in my personal opinion, you should uh, go in completely blind in this film if you really want to enjoy it. So please uh, only continue listening if you watch the film and just kind of want to, you know, to listen to us kind of go over what we thought about the movie. Yeah, La Arena loves fucking spoilers, but this is... One film, I am going to say right off the bat, I would not have wanted its spoilers on this one at all. No, it it when it hits and it and you realize what's going on, it it it's a it's kind of a joy of a movie just because you you know it's it's way different than what you're expecting from the trailers and the spoilers are going to ruin it. So please do not continue listening if you want to if you have not watched that movie. Yeah, do yourself some justice on this one. Uh, so getting right into the movie, it's, uh, directed by Zach Krager, also written by Zach Krager, music by Anna Drubick, the made for a budget of 4 million, uh, us dollars, uh, so far in the U S it's made 10 million. So it has, you know, made its money back in, you know, and, and actually over double that. And I don't know, there's really no information right now as far as it's overseas take, if it's got one. So, I mean, it's, but it's profitable. So that's good. Principal players, we have Georgina Campbell playing Tess. She is the final girl of the film, <laughs> an aspiring documentary filmmaker, if I remember right, and she is very much foolhardy in this movie. Uh, that's one of the, the little spoiler about the spoiler cast. I think that's one of La Urena's biggest complaints is how she just wants to rush in at one point and uh, could probably have other options, but we'll discuss that when we get to it. Wait, hold up for a uh, minute. I have never in my life, heard the word foolhardy. What the hell is that? Uh, somebody who's, uh, you know, willing to rush in the danger, basically, and oh, not okay. really uh, accept the consequences. Oh, my God. I love it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, so, Georgina Campbell's in a uh, movie coming out called Lovely, Dark, and Deep. It is a horror film that's coming up. Uh, sounds very interesting, actually. Uh, she is in Black Mirror, an episode of that, which is a very dark-themed show with, with sci-fi elements, kind of in the realm of Twilight Zone. 
and she was in, in a kind of a dark uh, serial killer uh, drama called Broadchurch that was in uh, on British television. She might have been on the American version, though. I think they did make the, the switch to the U.S. on that. We have Bill Skarsgård playing Keith, uh, one of the leads of a real estate group who is gentrifying Detroit slums and turning them into housing for artists, which I don't know how he's ever going to plan on getting paid for that because we know artists don't make anything, but that's a whole other argument. He is a bit awkward, and he is definitely too trusting. And, of course, Skarsgård is known for Pennywise and probably will be for the rest of his days. Uh, he also played in Stephen King's Castle Rock series as a very, very dark character, and that, that first season is actually the one of the – I mean, I, I like both seasons, but that first season was really good. The Crow remake he's actually in, that's in post-production now. He is actually playing, you know, uh, the Crow in that. That's I'm interested in that one now that I know he's playing that part. What do you think about that? Um, With Skarsgård? Yeah. <sighs> okay, here's the thing about Skarsgård, is that looking at him as a person in pictures, you don't expect him to be able to portray the characters he does He's a, he's a good actor. So I, I'm i for it. I'm here for it is all I'm saying. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> he's going to be in the Nosferatu remake from Robert Fuck Eggers. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. Wait, who is he playing? Uh, I don't think I don't think it mentioned. I think he he's he, he's a recent ad. Like they just literally added him on. Oh, dude. Every <laughs> film you have kind of listed here, you know, I, I I see it, is all I'm going to say. And, of course, he's going to be in the new John Wick 4 yeah. uh, with our with our boy Keanu, so yeah. you can't leave Keanu out if, we, if we get the chance. The Crow remake, dude. <sighs> I wasn't interested in it until I heard this news that he's that he's going to be playing Eric Draven in that, and I'm like, okay, I'm, yeah. I want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to say this. This has abs- Well, it has something to do with him. In this particular film, Barbarian, I did not know it was him because he he's always so dr- done up dramatic. So obviously, dark and brooding. Yes. Obviously, Pennywise, he's not going to look like himself. That doesn't count, okay? But the way the way they usually do his makeup, so he was somewhat of a normal-looking person in this, you know, film. Uh, mm-hmm. He kind of reminded me of uh, John Mayer a little bit. They, they okay. made him look more, they made him look a little bit more handsome. He was charming, I should say. Yeah, he was, but and he had to be for the character because of the way that they set the initial, you know, part of the, you know, thrust of the film. Yes, it's like you know, Tess is like staying with this guy, and if he wasn't at least a little bit charming, there's yeah. no way that she'd been like, "Fuck this, I don't care, I'm out." You know, like he couldn't be the the Pennywise looking. Oh, guy absolutely. That, you know, yeah. Which those pictures of him right now, where he's just he's probably like on a Daily Show. Oh, it's Conan, and they had him do the Pennywise scary looking face. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. We have Justin Long uh, <laughs> playing AJ, who is an actor, a scumbag, an alleged rapist, a deadbeat landlord slash vacation uh, rental uh, owner. And did I mention he's a scumbag? I think I did. And eyeballs are not something he really needs in any film. <laughs> I want this to be a thing now. If Sean Bean dies in every movie, I want Justin Long to lose his eyes. Yes, yes. (laughs) 
of course, he was in Jeepers Creepers and yes. lost his eyes in that movie. Uh, he didn't lose him in Dodgeball, although he probably should have after he had a wrench thrown at his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was it necessary for him to throw a wrench? No, but he liked it, so he did it anyways. Yeah. Uh, Clerks 3, uh, he's uh, uh, which Kevin Smith is probably crying somewhere over Batgirl being canceled still, but uh, I've heard good things about Clerks 3 if you're a fan of the Clerks movies, and, and Justin Long's in that. And um, that just came out. And then House of Darkness, which is a 2022 horror comedy that's still not yet released, he's in that, and I'm interested in that one too. Okay. I mean, he's in uh, it, so why not? Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's a horror comedy, and, and this movie proves that he can do that. I oh, mean, horror, nothing, yeah. So. <laughs> we have Richard Brake playing Frank, the original owner of the house, a true serial rapist, uh, father to many inbred children. <laughs> kind of looks like Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah. Kind of looks like him. Uh, funny thing is, he's in the Monsters. If you, oh, if, shit. If you didn't know, he plays uh, Dr. Wolfgang, the one that uh, creates Herman. Okay. And I actually liked him in that. I, I know we talked about it in the spoiler cast for uh, Hocus Pocus, but I, of the characters in the movie, I actually like Richard Brake's character in the Monsters just because, like, he, he's kind of annoyed with everybody else in the movie, and I think I would have been too. <laughs> and uh, the accent he puts on, even though it's out there, it's like it's 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 a way different take than what he does in this. I mean, he's just like a stone cold, like you know, no nonsense piece of shit in this one. To be honest, but okay, shut the fuck uh, up. He was the Ice King, <laughs> the Night King. I'm sorry, in Game of Thrones. Uh, okay, that makes sense. The reason why I'm uh, asking or threw that out there is because I wanted to see how tall he is. He looks super tall in this film. Uh, he is 6'2", so two, what, inches shorter than uh, the last character we Doug discussed. Jones. Yes. Yeah. Um, but still taller than majority of Hollywood, so. <laughs> Definitely taller than, uh, you know, Justin Long, so. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Richard Brake is one of Rob Zombie's regulars. Like he got in on uh, Halloween two, and then he went. In the, he played Doomhead in thirty one. One of the few bright spots in that movie because the way that's the only interesting thing about that movie. Like I tried watching it the other day, and like Doomhead's at the beginning of it, and it's like he's in your face and he's talking to the camera, uh, and then it flips it around and shows who he's actually talking to. But like he's got this dark charisma to him whenever he's that character and, yeah. he, and he's really good. But then the rest of the movie is just boring shit, you know, and of course Sherry Moon's in that, but we'll get to her in a <laughs> sec, you know, in, in the monsters podcast. Um, th- uh, he was in uh, three from hell, which was the worst of the trilogy for that series too. But there was a few extraneous factors. I didn't know this though. He was actually in an episode of supernatural. Yeah. The Scorpion and the frog. Okay. And he was in the Mandalorian. He played like one of the evil Imperial guys, which that makes sense. He's got a face for playing a bad guy. I'm just saying. What? Not and, a face like that. <laughs> and he played in The Gate, uh, which is a 2022 horror movie. So a lot of people in this movie are in other movies that are horror films coming yeah. out this year, which I kind of here for. Pretty fucking funny. Uh, Matt, Matthew Patrick Davis. Is, this is hilarious, plays the mother in the movie. Shut the fuck uh, up. <laughs> no, I'm serious. So the the weird inbred woman uh, monster in this movie is actually played by a guy. Which, it's not the first time we've seen this. 
No. Uh, and of course the mother is the barbarian that's in reference, you know, at the beginning of the, you know, the name of the movie. Uh, and I'll get into kind of the reason why that, you know, where that not scars guard as, as it's a kind of intended or not intended, but kind of mm, inferred. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the mother is obviously an unfortunate inbred monster and she just wants her baby. She just wants that baby. Just a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So the synopsis after getting double booked by two different vacation rental websites, uh, and with nowhere else to stay due to a medical convention, taking over most of the hotels two complete strangers agree to temporarily share a living space, uh, in a bad part of Detroit, I have to add until things can be sorted out. The two become more comfortable with each other as they spend more time together and turn in for the night. However, something else is in the house and strange things happen overnight, causing Tess to mistrust Keith. Eventually, Tess discovers a strange room behind a trap door in the basement and discovers the house may hold darker secrets than she ever imagined. The fear of the dark adds steady tension. Comedy relief enters in the form of Justin Long. A rash of bad decisions are made in the name of heroism, and a truly monstrous inbred woman rips through everything to get to her baby. Uh, and I think that pretty much describes the movie. If and I'm going to be honest, that's the podcast, everybody. That's it. Good night. <laughs> um, but now, just getting into the the film, discussing it, that beginning intro scene, and the, uh, well, I'm going to throw visuals in here. I think that the way that they did the visuals for this, it was absolutely amazing because the 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 soft light at night of like you know the what they could see of the surrounding like you know uh, houses and the way that they framed it and like that you know just the light you know that the street lights they had there at that one house and just the night scenes in general and like i just i loved how everybody was filmed it had like it was just it was clear it had like i mean it was kind of artistic in the way that they did it um it, it, it just looked really nice like it. And, and going back to our hocus pocus, I feel like it beat the shit out of that, you oh. know, as far as like visually, you know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get the visual when you first is this girl that pulls up. And as we've all had issues with Airbnb, if you've ever have stayed in an Airbnb, you can't get into the fucking house ever. That's just, that's just, it's tradition. Okay. <laughs> You, you're never able to enter, use the lockbox. She was putting in the wrong code. I've also done that. She's just trying to get in the house. But it's not just the struggle of trying to get into this house and, and what she's going through. She pulls up. It's, a, it's really dark. She's driving late at night. She's got a job interview. She's got to go to a really important job interview. And you can only see the silhouettes of the neighborhood around her, the houses and everything. It is so And they don't, they don't look black. that bad, the no. way that it's framed in the darkness. They don't look that bad. It's scary because it's dark, but let me tell you what. As a side gig that I do when I'm going through neighborhoods, it's always the worst neighborhoods that have no fucking light, and I am not joking. That is a fucking thing. So this resonated with me. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, uh, you just know it's not – it doesn't necessarily mean it's like a horrible neighborhood. It's just not a better neighborhood. The better neighborhoods are fucking illumined with light, you know. But, and, yeah. And it's pouring the rain, too, so that sets the mood as well yeah. like right from the get-go. I Absolutely. mean, and, and that kind of obscures your vision of the houses, and I think that's a smart you know, way to, you know, do it too. It's like, she doesn't realize how bad it is because of the dark and because of the rain. Like she just, you know, like the house that she's going to looks, you know, beautiful. Actually, Absolutely. You know? Yeah. That one's lit up and she could see what's going on. It's just a normal house. Um, 
but like, you know, but the way the, the best thing about this movie, in addition to those visuals of kind of how they show that stuff. And of course the visuals of the mother herself, because they, they did a great job on that. Those prosthetics like that Matthew that was playing the part, like freaky as hell. Like whenever yeah. the mother shows up, like, I mean, just this horrible looking monster, but, um, and of course, like the uh, whenever they do actually show the nastiness of the neighborhood and the nastiness of the oh actual, God. you know, like Richard Brake's character Frank, you know, as he is now, like dying of like pneumonia or oh, whatever yeah. he's got going on, consumption, like, just the, just the how run down and dingy and gross everything is. Like they did really good in setting that all up visually. It is well, everything visually in this. Um, the city of Detroit when she's actually in the city. Just the small area. Um, the Airbnb house. Did that not fucking look like an Airbnb house? Oh yeah, for sure. Like Standard. even down to like I mean the the little touches they had of like, you know, Scars Guards like, there's a bottle of wine. Do you want you know, like they always throw something, you know, like little treats and you know all that stuff in there but just the way that it was like presented like you know it it, it matched you know yeah well enough yeah um and then when it things start getting weird when they start finding the hidden rooms the fear that i felt when i saw that room the first room with oh. the video camera the room, the video and the visuals that kicked in there was that bed was so soiled and you could tell there was blood on that bed. It wasn't just like it was like a sex bed, you know, with like yeah. stains that way. There was blood on that. So you knew something even worse had gone on. Oh yeah, and, and it, a bloody handprint on the wall. Yeah, and there was, and and she, she looked at it, but I mean, it was, I don't think it was ever acknowledged. I mean, she might've said something to Skarsgård before he ran down in there because, you know, that's, and I don't, this is not woke by any means. Guys do feel, you know, I, I can speak to this. We we're I mean, going back to the word foolhardy, I mean, there's times, and that's probably the reason women live longer than us, that because of our, you know, perceived strength and, you know, all that stuff, when we know, I mean, there's situations where women are like, you know, don't go there. That is clearly a bad situation. We're like, we can handle ourselves you know like we and and he does that and it's not like him being a stupid you know white guy or anything like that he's just i mean that's him being male and not realizing that there are worse things out there than just getting beat up physically you yeah know? it's like um but but anyways other than her talking to him about that like i don't think it's really acknowledged it's just you're shown this and it's like that's that's one of the things i love about this movie it's like the 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 people who wrote or Craiger who wrote and directed this, he expects you as an audience to keep up with him. He is not going to feed oh, yeah. you anything. No, um, he doesn't even, when he does the hard cuts, cause this movie has two hard cuts in it to, you know, between times and locations, he expects you to keep up and just like, okay, we're in a different location where we at now. Okay. I, clearly this is California or <laughs> clearly this is now Detroit, but like 20, 30 years previous you know it's like you but he he you know like the way he directs it he gives you the visual clues and let you know and and i love that because you know movies are supposed to be a visual medium and like he and, and he respects that and he does it sit there and do which is one of the biggest complaints i've heard about l the rings of power on amazon right now is the fact that they explain everything. Like they sit there and they tell you something you've literally just seen oh, yeah. as a member of the audience. And it's like, dude, I just watched that. Why did the character have to say exactly what I saw? You I, know? I was there. 
<laughs> but that, but, but in that scene with a bed, like she doesn't have to comment on it. You saw it. She saw it. You know that some bad shits went on in this place. Yeah. And not only that, in going back to what you said about he's, he's good. You, you better keep up with him. Um, you better fucking keep up with him. You also don't get really a lot of time for emotion or to react. You get to react. But that's all you get, and you better fucking keep moving on because the pace of this film is amazing, and I, that's probably one of the things I love the most about it. You know how I am. Let's go. Let's roll. Let's get some action. I want to see some scary shit, and something better blow up. Um, <laughs> you know, whether it be someone's head or whether it be a fucking car, you know? But, but yeah, no, it, the pace of this film is fucking fast, so react but move on. You better be crying while you're running. <laughs> but... That's one of the things I love about it, too. I mean, the, the beginning part of the movie does all of the, the heavy lifting as far as the storytelling without like being like a big monologue or anything like that. You get the two actors together. They both have charisma. Like, both of the actors are great at what they're doing. You feel for both of them instantly, even if you, you know, like, it, you're just thrown into this world with them, but you you get the everything instantly. Like, they sell the, you know, she sells her, you know, being afraid of the situation and the mistrust of him as a, as a man. You get him, you know, like, the, the feeling that he's, he's hurt, but he understands, and he's trying to patch things over with her. Yeah. And, like, when the two, uh, two are having those scenes together although some could say that they're kind of slow i love that build up between the two of them because you you get the feel for them and you get connected emotionally with them before the shit really hits the fan with the two of them oh absolutely and you i'm gonna throw out the biggest spoiler right now which we've kind of alluded to is that he is not the bad guy <laughs> he is not he is not the bad guy he is not the barbarian in fact he is one of the first victims of well Excuse me, that we see. Yeah, and and it's weird too because they throw and that's something that I love about this that Craiger did that it doesn't have to there doesn't have to be any follow up on it. There's that weird thing that she notices at night where Skarsgård is having like night terrors or yeah. he's like you know crying out in his sleep. It never gets brought up again, Mm-mm. and it doesn't have to. It doesn't involve the plot, but it's but it's there intentionally just to make her think what the fuck is wrong with this guy, you know? So yeah. that there's a little bit more of that tension before she realizes, Oh, he's not the one that's the bad guy. That fucking thing is the, the problem. You yeah. Know? And 100% like this, this guy comes off very serial killer ish. He's very nice, but every serial killer is nice. He's real awkward. Yeah. I was getting ready to say awkward is the key word to him because yeah. like he, he, I mean, and, and the way that Skarsgård plays it is just brilliant too, because like, I mean, he's, he can be charming when he's, when he, you know, is talking to her and all that, but then he fumbles a lot of stuff. He's like, I mean, like the scene where he's like, he hands her the drink and then he has to, he goes back and he messes up and he says, Oh, well, I, you know, I didn't pour this out. You can watch me pour it. I know that, that you know, you might've think, and you know, him calling attention to the fact that she already thought that it was roofie didn't make her feel any better. It just made it awkward between the two. of them. Yeah. Which is, I mean, <laughs> It's, it's legit, you know, he was trying to be polite, which it just comes, it's funny because it just, that's just how women are. That's how I was thinking. As a woman, I was thinking, this is weird. I also personally, I would have made a different decision that night, which has nothing to do with the film, but like someone is in there, I would have been like, you know what, then it looks like I'm driving to the next fucking town over. I'm tired, I'm sleepy, but I don't know this guy, you know? Uh, yeah. So that would have been the first thing. Nice or not, you know, I, I would have been out of there. Uh 
okay, let's say I did fucking stay. Let's say my car wouldn't start and I'm fucking stuck. And it's like, great. Well, one, I wouldn't have been sleeping that night, you know, which they really didn't. They kind of stayed up no, for a really they, long they time. No, they didn't. Um, but the next morning when I walked out and I saw that fucking neighborhood in the daylight, they oh, were, God. They were in the, a shanty town. I, as a guy, I would as soon as I saw that shanty town, which that says a lot about Skarsgård because he saw the place in the daylight. Yeah, that we're assuming, and he still. But but also, they did set it up a little bit in saying that he was somebody who was scouting the area to gentrify it or to improve oh. it. So he was used to seeing that kind of squalor. You know, that's basically. true. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because he did specify that to her because she was there in town to interview for a documentary that. I don't know, something, a, a film that was being made? Was it a documentary? Am I on the right path? Yeah, now? it was a documentary, and I want to say that either she saw that what inspired her to sign up for this documentary was the documentary she saw about Skarsgård's, you know, group, yes. or she was getting ready to film one about Skarsgård group. Yes, it was one he, of the two. He was like, oh, I, yes, I put them together. It was too perfect. He was too perfect. Uh, it was too much of a coincidence that they showed up together. So it's really setting up this sideline that where you're starting to put in your mind, oh, he knows too much about her. Uh, he knew she was going to be there. He's probably the owner of this house. He, uh, she booked the house. He's pretending he's a tenant. He got booked it on some website you've never heard of. She said she got it through, uh, what's the most popular one? Airbnb. I, I want to say it was Airbnb is what she yeah. said. Yeah. And he booked it off some website called Stay for Cheap or something ridiculous that you're like, yeah, I've it was, never it was heard of that. something like Z-grade generic sounding. Like, oh, you yeah. Know. And then he knows all this stuff about what she's doing, which we do find out he wasn't lying per se. Um, and that he wasn't what I made him out to be was I'm like, Oh, he's definitely the killer. He's the owner of this house. You know, you know? what's funny about that is that Craig did such a good job that he even played to us, uh, gender norms, even in that, because I didn't pick up any of that stuff as a male. Like I honestly didn't. Oh, yeah. I, tr I, I implicitly trusted that he was trying to extend an olive branch and do the right thing. And I understood. And just like, you know, he did, I understood that she was in a bad situation and should not trust him. But at the same time, I never assumed anything negative like you just said that you did. But that's great that you did because that just that proves that the movie works the way yes, it's supposed to. That the way. movie does. And here's the <laughs> thing, though, is that it's also this is Detroit. So I don't know how much it is. I, we know how bad Detroit is as a city. Like <laughs> the fact that she's there by herself is, you know, OK, whatever. We'll get over that. But given a different area, if I'm dealing with somebody from the South, I know that they're genuine, and I'm probably going to trust them a little bit more, even a guy. So it's not all men. In California, gotcha. I'm, <laughs> I want to know what your intentions are. I wouldn't just show up to a house and be like, oh, okay, this is going to work out. I, I wouldn't do that out here, not without keeping my knife with me and being like, okay, well, I guess mama ain't sleeping tonight. Um, would also be looking for another area, which they tried to set up that there was some kind of medical convention in town. She didn't ask anybody, not one person. She didn't do any research. She just trusted him, which worked well, for you, did not work for me. No, I did take that. I'll take that back for you for just a second. She did get on, and she tried booking rooms, and everyone that she went to said there was no vacancy. And then that's when okay. he told her that there was a thing in town. So they did set that up to where it didn't look like he was just feeding okay. her a line of bullshit to keep her from, you know, going in. Yeah, I mean, I guess she, I don't know. I still would have been checking. Like, she didn't ask that lady the next day. She was in town the next day, and 
she the lady she was talking to <clears throat> once the lady was like you're staying where and just the horrified look on this lady who's interviewing her on her face i would have been like okay i want the details tell me what i need to know you know what i got out of that conversation with that lady though and i don't know if i was supposed to get this out of it it was that Tess is one of those characters that is one of those women that doesn't like to be challenged to say that as a woman, she can't be, I mean, she still, yeah. you know, obviously follows those, you know, to a certain extent because she did with Skarsgård, yeah. but she doesn't like being told that she can't do something just because it's dangerous because she's a woman. Like, you know, yeah. she, in that moment, she gave me the thing, you know, that, that like view, it's like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but like, you know, just because, you know, I'm a woman doesn't mean I'm powerless, you know, type yeah. thing, which is, which is, it, sh- it plays I mean, in the film very well. It, it, it helps the film, but also, I mean, there are people, I don't know if you consider that a flaw. You consider that, a, a I mean, it's both a flaw and a, you know, like a, a benefit to the person that they, you know, are that comfortable and confident in themselves that they think they can, you know, deal with something like that. Um, with all due respect to the actress, the main actress in this film, she is a strong, independent black woman that don't need no man. <laughs> there, but that's the thing. We talked about this in Hocus Pocus. That could have been drawn out way more than it was, and I yeah. feel like they did the perfect balancing act with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, what else was I going to say? Um, well, there's going to be more things in this film as we discuss a little bit more about decisions that were made so we should probably just keep moving on so well the one before we get to i mean because i feel like we're we pretty much like discuss this enough but the the thing with scars guard going down there and then her (laughs) you know trying to find him and then like you know that that hard cut scene where you see his face like the the mother show up for the first time god which the tension that they set up for that because Tess is slowly like going down this labyrinthian yeah. cavern system or whatever, sees the rusty cages. That's another visual clue that's like, you know, that we, that her and the audience knows is, oh shit, some yeah. really bad, these are human cages. And then like, you know, the farther she goes, you hear off in the distance, Skarsgård, like, help me, you know, like crying out like he's in pain. Yeah. Um, it was really tense. Like it oh, really absolutely. set up a lot of tension and you couldn't see shit in those scenes, which you Mm-mm. shouldn't see. I mean, it was her cell phone, so it wasn't going to cast light very far, but I mean, um, and, and she was smart. She did at least like, you know, um, set up that, that mirror system oh, to get yeah. light as far back as she could. But, um, like just her delving down into the deep. And then whenever you get that first reveal of the mother, like, I mean, oh, bam, God. like that was a good little, like, you know, uh, jump, scare that they set up there that was scary um look at i would have never met the mother because once i saw that fucking room i would have been gone am i am i the only one that feels this way <laughs> no if i would have seen that room even as scars guard i would have got the fuck out of there i would have never opened up that door behind it oh, yeah. even if i would you know by accident because i don't know if that's it what that says about me I'm, i'll throw my man card in if they're you know and, and tear it to shreds if that does says something but i think that was stupid from the you know once he saw that bed that but the thing was is he said he got bit by something from that door i think is the way he described it but even if you got bit by something that was like sticking out of that door i would have turned tail and ran i'd be like what the fuck is in this place and just got the hell out of there yeah okay <laughs> wait i don't remember the got bit part what happened yeah yeah, he said that. Uh, he said that whenever he opened the door down into the caverns, something bit him, and like, or or, or at least when he was down in the caverns, maybe yeah. he started investigating and then he got bit. But like, I I wouldn't okay, even I went remember. that far as soon. 
that was when he was on the ground trying to tell her don't go that way we gotta go this way yes okay yeah something bit me and like and then then of course mother shows up and smashes his head into a wall multiple times and it just busts open like a ripe melon that was the explosion i needed for this film to be complete for me Uh, and then that hard cut right after that. And it's just like you said, like he gives you like no time to react. You see that and you see her like her horrified expression. And then bam, you're in sunny California. You're following AJ out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, actually it's, it's, (laughs) oh wait, no, it is AJ. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought I was thinking the Detroit flashback. Um, real quick, the, (laughs) she did what I would have done. Kind of where she tried to get out of there and get him to go to like, this yeah, is bad, exactly. you know, that, now that was smart. Yeah. And as if I were a man, what I think I would do would be like, I need to protect this girl. There's something fucking strange going on. Whether she goes with me or not, we got to get the fuck out of here. This is not right. You know, I can't force her to do anything, but the, the one thing that I'll give Craiger credit for in this scene in this instance is the fact that he sets up that Skarsgård is trying to believe her but yes. she's acting kind of crazy and they literally only know each other for one night That's so true, he's yeah. like trying to, he's still trying to get like who's this you know just yeah. like she is he doesn't know what he's dealing with so he's trying to prove that she saw what she saw but he shouldn't have investigated the cavern is the only yeah. thing I mean it's the one too step far. too far and yeah and they did a good job of setting him up for his persistence is what made the film continue obviously he was like right. please just stay I'm just let me go see I want to believe you and I'm like this motherfucker's gonna kill her you know I'm over here thinking <laughs> and you're like he's over here being noble <laughs> but you're gonna you're gonna notice this whenever you get into the slasher season that's coming up shortly Ugh. Uh, it's a trope in horror movies that it's like, oh, what's over here? What oh, what's God. behind this curtain? You know, and then so I, I forgave all of that just because of that. But if yeah. you're going, I mean, but they are the realism of the characters and how well that they were written. Kind of, I agree with you. Kind of makes you think that they should have been more realistic than just the, the standard horror movie trope. Yeah, there was a lot of nopes that happened way before the big nope. So. <laughs> It's all um, I'm saying. The the scenes with AJ, uh, it, oh, it's God. funny because you get like the pacing of this movie is interesting. You get that big reveal, the big slam, you know, against the wall, and all of a sudden it cuts to AJ, and it's it's comedy. <laughs> it's uh, you have uh, this big drama that's that, that's playing out with this character you've never seen before in the movie. You're trying to get the bearings of what this guy's going on. And, and then it even follows him all the way to the, to the house. And then it sets up, you know, and then there's a a little bit of a slowdown period there where he's trying to get the lay of the land. He's like, do you fucking clean this place after, you know, (laughs) you, you ran out and it's like, cause there's still shit here, you know? And, um, and, and, and what I love about that in those scenes in between with AJ is that you, you, you get everything you need to know about the character in one short little burst because, when he goes to visit his friend in Detroit, it's like he swore up and down this entire time. She, it was a hack job. She framed me. I didn't do anything with her, you know, blah, 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 blah. He gets to his friend in Detroit. He's like, well, yeah, we might have did stuff together. And, you know, but she said she was fine with it. And, you know, his story changes. So, oh, you know, yeah. right there he's kind of, he's, he's, he's not the stand-up guy that he's trying to make himself out to beat everybody. I was half as expecting that when he woke up the next day in that crazy-ass house, by the way, I was half as expecting that he was going to open up, like, his cell phone and see uh, some kind of text or a news report of, oh, um, 
you know, so-and-so admits, you know, friend got, you know, actual report because he's over here talking his mouth off. Oh, my God. And that phone call he made to the girl who he allegedly. Oh, God. So awkward. So cringe. Oh, that was so cringeworthy. But, man, did that was that such a good addition to the film. It really set him up for what kind of an asshole we're dealing with here. It really set up that one scene later on in the movie whenever he has a choice. Yes, uh, and, he makes you know, a choice. And, 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 you, and whenever he does what he does, you're like, yep, you, you have already proven you're that kind of guy. Yeah, we, 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 we almost expected that. We thought it was going to go one way. Uh, yeah. So anyways, here he is uh, in the house, which, by the way, he is he's a failing movie star. Is that what you got from this? He well, I got the sense that he was a mediocre movie star, and that this and that he was like finally getting show. some traction, yeah. And then this kind of you know knocked his feet out from under him, yeah. Um, but yet another thing that they that Craig does in this movie to make you realize how much of a scumbag AJ is is the fact that whenever he's presented with the room. He doesn't. He doesn't even bat an eye at the fact of what he's seeing. Unlike Tess, who realizes the horror of what she's seeing, and we assume Skarsgård because Skarsgård, you know, like you know, he went further on to investigate maybe yeah. because of his concern. No, AJ is only caring about the fact that it could add some more, oh, yeah? uh, you know, footage to his listing. That's literally the, and he's even gets out the, the, the tape measure tape. to prove. Oh my God. He's measuring the square footage and he's Googling, uh, underground storage or underground spaces. Can that to see be? if he can list it as another room on his real estate list? Oh my God. We're talking about a little, he was measuring the room that had the dingy ass bed. The, he didn't notice the handprint on the wall. Didn't care that there was a camera pointed at this bed. Not one bit. No, which, it, which also says a lot. I mean, it, it goes back to also say that the rape charges without telling you yes. so are probably legit because he didn't even bat an eye at that. Oh, it was a visual inference for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, measuring down the stairs. Um, oh my! Down into the caverns. He doesn't even bat an eye at the cages yet again. He's just trying to measure around them. Oh my god! Whenever he is finally caught by you know or start well when it's like he starts to I think he the mother he hears at that point if I remember right yeah and then his is the the traditional trope of his flashlight going out. And then he stumbles into a pit with Tess, and that's where the two of those meet. Yes. Um, and like he and she's telling him, she's like, you know, we don't know how long Tess has been in here. Uh, I think I read somewhere on the internet that it was inferred it was like a couple of weeks. Oh shit! I don't know. Yeah, but she's in this pit, and she's telling him, she's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. You yeah. know, like she she knows the score of what the mother is going to do, and he won't listen to her, which is another thing about him. The fact that a woman's telling him something and he's not listening to her, that's another inference. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. where you want to, you know. Um, and of course, <laughs> we get that great scene where he gets pulled away from there. And like, we've already seen from Tess, she sees that weird, creepy room where it's showing the little uh, old timey, like, you know, 13 inch TV. Yes. Talking about mothers and how to breastfeed. And then we get that one Ugh. sickening scene where mother is breastfeeding AJ. Oh my God. Uh, this, this monster is, uh, it's, uh, she's originally starred in the Hills have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> she is the, she is the product of a serial rapist and murderer who 
made babies and had babies with babies until this, it's still human, was created, but it's just so badly inbred that, you know, there's, you know, osteoporosis issues, there's skin issues. I mean, she's underground all the time. Never. Yeah, she's got sun. like this gray mottled skin that looks like she's undead or something. Yeah. I mean, where she's, uh, you know, never come. She never comes out, and even during the daytime, because yeah. that's what the one, the one creepy, uh, which is another good thing in the movie, the one creepy homeless guy or whatever, yeah. you know, like comes around and warns Tess. Um, he's like, you know, when he tells her, he's like, she doesn't come out at night, you know, or until night. You, you come on, you know, get out of there. Oh, she's the epitome uh, of the freaks come out at night, you know. Yeah. So yeah, um, um, she and she's just got really saggy skin, of uh, major face disfigurement, slick uh, and wet looking skin. That's another thing too that's yeah. gross about her. Greasy hair. I mean, it's just it's 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 inbred at its worst for sure. Um, and of course, it's amped up for the horror of it all. So there's that. But that's what that's the creature we're dealing with, and superhuman strength for sure. Oh. Yeah, especially later on, whenever we see what she does to the homeless guy, ripping his t- his arms off, like, oh, you know, that like was amazing. Nothing. Oh my god, that was so <laughs> enjoyable, and the way that she popped his head. Yeah. Oh my um, god. But then you, I mean, you got Tess leaving, and and this is the part of the movie that I could see people having an issue with on the woke agenda side if they want to go that route. Although I felt like it was pretty spot on to be perfectly fucking honest with you she gets out and she goes to police and she, and you know she's left justin long there because she you don't there's no way she could have yeah. did anything about him he was enjoying some titties calm down yeah <laughs> and she tells the police you know like to you know come back with me you know or it's like you know there's there's this horrible shit that's went on in this house there's this thing and of course i mean if you were a random person and somebody walked up and she's been you know two weeks or whatever probably only surviving on the mother's breast milk or whatever's what? going on there yeah and she looks like a meth head she oh, yeah. really does uh she and, is disheveled she is dirty she probably smells like shit and piss she's got scratches everywhere i mean and these cops are just like all right crackhead you know yeah uh, skedaddle off and you know there you know a lot of people would say oh well that's you know saying that cops but i mean even if you've dealt with cops and you're you know not looking like that there's a lot of times where they'll just say piss off if it's not like you know something that's you know they consider i don't know reasonable or you know like something that you know like uh, to me and i mean i don't know it might be this area of, of the country and that's probably the reason we're so pro second amendment is anytime we ever tell the cops that there's something going on, they don't even respond to it a lot of times. I mean, they, they fucking don't. And they're like, if it's not a drug deal going on or somebody wasn't murdered, we don't give two shits. So don't tell us anything about it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I think, um, well, and the, the best part about this film is that they set it up in Detroit where the cops have so much more going on. Oh yeah, and not and, to, and to go into this the, neighborhood the, that's not a real neighborhood. They know that it's not a real neighborhood, and and they know that 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 one house. And they're like, "Well, you shouldn't be here anyways. Look at this fucking neighborhood." You yeah, know? and then like you know, and and they're jaded as hell, but they would be. I mean, even while they're sitting there, they get a call to like a full on like somebody's gotten murdered somewhere. Yeah. So like you know, why wouldn't they just bail on this? You know crazy chick yeah she so, would She would have had to i don't know I, I think there was a way to go about it but she was also hysterical because of what she had been through so i get why she was the way she was had she been able to calm down and be like look 
my boyfriend, fake, you know, is down there. And <laughs> we were dragged down by these people. And she was, you know, uh, th- they're holding us hostage. And my boyfriend's still in there. And not been so hysterical. Like, this monster took us and blah, blah, blah. And then this guy died. And then I don't have my idea. And she had just been able to come back. Look, all my stuff's inside. When you open the door, you're going to see my luggage. I left, you know, such and such here. Um, blah, blah, blah. And been able to like calm down, maybe. But then we wouldn't have a film, so. No, and we also wouldn't have a film if we did like you wanted to do after the police left instead of her. Uh, although it was near dark, so I don't know how far she would have actually gotten. Yeah. But, you know, she decides that she's going to try to go back in there and rescue AJ <sighs> on her own. God. Which I do agree with you to a certain extent is foolhardy, like we said earlier. Foolhardy. I got but, a new word in my vocabulary. <laughs> But um, it, it's also another horror movie trope. Yes. Uh, also, especially for a final girl, they always rush in and try to save at least the, the fi- next to last survivor if they can help it. And uh, I was talking with a coworker about it, and really, I mean, she didn't. I mean, yes, she could have left, but I mean, she didn't know how much time AJ had left if the thing was just going to just up and kill him. So, like, I don't know how much time she could have really prepared and done anything else to get anybody else there. Like, I mean, or who would have believed her to come there? Yeah, I mean, it would have taken a, um, a, we have a call Curtis out here where you contact the local news guy and you tell him, oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) But she's not from the area, so she wouldn't have any traction with anybody. No, absolutely not. But it doesn't take anything but some social media presence, you know, to hop on and be like, okay, look, there is something going on here. Maybe contacting some friends to help her. Yeah. they also kind of set in this movie, she's not really got a whole lot of friends or she wouldn't have been in the situation she was in to begin with. Because, like, yeah. she doesn't really contact anybody when she gets in that situation with Skarsgård. It's one of those things where when my husband's on this podcast, he constantly says, this is why I like the older times because there's no social media. There's no, there's that disconnect where you don't have the phones to contact people. You don't have means <laughs> to get it out there that there is something going on. There is a way. I trust you know me. What's funny? You know what's funny about that? I was watching... For the upcoming podcast, the big one, uh, the the Haunting of Bly Manor, the special features, Mike Flanagan said the reason he said that in the 80s was because he said it got got rid of cell phones. He yes. said cell phones kill horror films, and well, he's not wrong. Absolutely, and the storyline <laughs> behind it was also intendedly, it, well, the storyline is really old, so... To be yeah, fair, but you know. He said that the reason he, he wanted to set like the, the whole thing in the eighties just to get away from yes. the cell phone and because he loves the eighties because he grew up like us in the eighties yes. and so that he was nostalgic for it. He's so. not wrong. Hey, catch our uh <laughs> next episode where we review the hunting of Bly Manor. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, but, so um, like I said, I want to throw this out right now. She really did have dumb ho syndrome. And although she is the final girl, um, everything she got in this film she deserves. Well, I I could see that to a certain extent. She was a little too brash. and But like I said, I think one of her character faults was she was a little too overconfident in herself. Yes. Like she didn't want to admit that she couldn't do that. She's lucky. The Spoiler alert. She's lucky she survived. True. Barely. Uh, <laughs> and we have the scenes with uh, Frank. Uh, it, it does. Well, actually, it does the hard cut right after, uh, if I remember right, the uh, scenes with uh, Justin Long getting captured. Yes. Like when he's thrown into the pit with her, it's right after that's when the hard cut goes to show Frank and what he did to, to get that house to be that way, the yes. house of horrors as it was. 
you know, that creepy scene where he actually tracks that girl, that young girl from the, uh, like the, the, the grocery store or whatever back to her home acts like he's from like the local, you know, authorities for like, you know, the, oh, yeah. the utilities or whatever gets inside of her house and does that maneuver where he goes inside of a specific room, unlatches the window frame so he can come back in later and like chloroform or whatever he did. Yeah. Um, Really creepy stuff. Yeah, and, and again, buying one- stuff to birth the baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he was like, baby's not here yet. <laughs> yeah, and then it sets up all that stuff. But another, again, hard cut. You and, and this one's even worse because you recognize the house, and then you're like, why the fuck is the other houses fine? And then it's like, oh, shit, yes. this is a time jump, you know? Yes, and it was right before I really loved this setup. It was right before they knew... The neighbors knew the neighborhood was going to shit, and a lot of them were leaving. Yeah, and they were bailing on the yes. neighborhood. and, and he's it, like, I ain't going nowhere. That, yeah, it gives you that that whole uh, feeling of the you know Detroit just basically spiraling down before it actually got to the point where we see it at in the movie. Yeah, so um, it was an amazing setup. I mean, the time, the car, the things that they were buying again, sounds in this film, mwah, top notch. And uh, like I said, top uh, notch for me for the storytelling because it gives you everything you need to know about the origin of the house and like maybe a 10 minute segment. Mm-hmm. And then it goes right back into, you know, what we're seeing. So, it was I mean, strictly business in this film. Uh, I fucking loved it. So, <laughs> um, and then there's no downtime in that either because with mm-hmm. him tracking, it's, it's, it's its own horror movie in a sense because you're watching a human horror at that point. Oh, like him, you yeah. Know, um, but anyways, we see Frank, you know, like now, who's an old man, bedridden, you know, uh, uh, apparently, I mean, just, you know, popping out more babies is about the only thing he's good for in addition to having whatever what? pneumonia, tuberculosis. He's probably got some kind of lung issue from it being so, you know, wet and, you know, like fungal and stuff growing on, you know, growing down there in that cavern. But Isn't that also um, called, it's not a professional name, but isn't it referred to as the lung? Well, I mean, in old old days, but that, that actually, they—it's funny you say that by manner. That's what they said that uh, Katie uh, Seagal's character, or uh, Seagal's character, Seagal had. Yeah, or no, not Viola. Viola. She had the lung is what the guys claimed. That's an, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But he's got that, and then but there's a there's a pistol there that he's trying to get a hold of that he keeps reaching for, and Justin Long's like, you know, the one thing, the one thing that he does, which is kind of funny because the one person he's actually nice to in the movie, like really nice to, is another serial rapist, so I don't know what that says about oh, him. Oh, God. <laughs> it's really but, a like, lot of um, foreshadowing, if anything. It is. And he's sitting there, he's like, oh, well, what are you trying to get at? You want some water? And the guy's just, like, grunting at him, giving this death stare. And then we realize he's trying to go for the pistol. He's like, oh, shit. And then, it, yeah. like, you know, and then he blows Frank's brains out, ending that whole, you know, thing. Well, the thing is, is that the foreshadowing, the make stuff that happens is before Justin Long's character, AJ, even sees the videotapes, which thank you to this film for not actually showing or even playing the sounds, really. Yes, you might, I think you heard I, a little bit of slapping, right? Like a girl getting hit, but not. Yeah, they they show her getting hit, but they don't show them yes. the rape. No and like rape, rape and... is one of my big outs on movies. Yeah. Like I, I can't stand it. You hear about it, like you you know that that's what he did, but you don't hear it happening. Which you just hear a girl getting hit, which is bad. But hearing somebody get raped and seeing somebody get raped, that's pretty fucking terrifying. It's horrible. So they do spare you of that in this, but. Prior to him seeing that, 
AJ is like, uh, you know, don't worry, man, I'm going to I'm going to go. I'm going to tell the police all about this place and I'm going to let them know what's been going on here. And this guy doesn't know that anything like the the, the main. Well, I don't know. Uh, the, the, the bad guy doesn't know that he doesn't know anything yet. But then we see Justin Long has just finished a video and he turns around. And he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And oh, and. Actually, I got that wrong. I remember now. Isn't it Richard Brake like gets the pistol, but instead of like you know actually attacking AJ with it, like he blows his own brains out because he thinks the police are finally coming to yes. make him pay for his crimes? That's yes. what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> that that's that's the crazy part is here we we pretty much have a monster looking at a monster saying, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" That's how bad <laughs> exactly. Richard Brake characters is. Yeah, <laughs> and then of course. Uh, whenever, you know, uh, Tess comes in there to try to save AJ, the son of a bitch shoots her because, oh, you know, yeah. that's, that's just how he is. Which you know? is crazy because the scene is set up so cool. She's walking and she sees a light and she's, I don't remember what she says, like, is that you or hello? And then boom, she gets shot. Yeah, so he he knows it's her. Like, the thing can't make sounds, like, legit sounds, or at least this point it hasn't. And, like, she does that to her, or he does that to her. And so, like, and uh, I can't remember, did she actually attack the monster at this point? Like, did she get anything on the monster, or was it just not around at the moment? This is right after she hits the monster with her car. Okay, okay, so okay. There and is she a thinks scene it's dead. Where, yeah, yes. she ran it into the the house. That's what she did. I remember now. Now, I don't remember, like, if she just, oh, she got into her car. She turned it on. She turned on the lights and aimed it at the house. And that's when the monster crawls out of the little crawl. There's a tiny little crawl space from the basement. And that they had already pinned, broken out. And she pinned it against the wall, and it looked like it was dead. It was kind of just hanging yeah. there on, on the hood. Yes. Um, and, and here's another thing about, you know, another visual or just the, the storytelling that that's good about like painting what AJ is like, there's a split second there where he doesn't even act like he's going to try to help the girl he shot even mm-hmm. get back up. He's just going to run out of the place himself. Yeah. Like, that's literally what he's going to do. It's, it's just weird, but <laughs> they do get out together. And when they do, she realizes that the mo- creature known as the mother is not, pinned to the front of her car anymore (laughs) and by the way that car does die like it 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 died she couldn't start it anymore um yeah and uh for some reason aj doesn't have his keys because they they're like still down there in the house somewhere um and then so they're like and then they come across the homeless guy he invites them in his sanctuary and and then you have that, that it's actually pretty good comedic, you know, uh, timing or, you know, sitting there talking to her. She's like, wait, what, how do you know that, that, that she, he's like, bitch, that bitch never came yeah. in here or whatever he says. And then that's instantly when she bursts yeah. through the wall and like, you know, rips his arms off. You and get then, you no know, time like, to react. She doesn't come in here. <laughs> Boom. She's there. <laughs> And, of course, the scene that we've alluded to, the whole entire thing, talking about AJ's final, like, you know, showing what he is, the two of them crawl to the top of the water tower. Uh, she's barely functioning, Tess is. She's still bleeding out, which yes. uh, I, I, I at least like that because, you know, in a lot of movies, you know, you can watch the main heroine or, you know, final girl, like, bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. She never acts like she's suffering from blood loss, but clearly Tess is on her last legs. Yeah, and, and even with, adrenaline and, is the only thing keeping this girl going, the fear. Yeah, and AJ fumbles the fucking gun like he would because oh, he's God. a piece of shit. 
And then when she gets up there, he he's like, he's like, I'll, I'll take care of this. And then what does he do? He eats her off the top of the, you know, the tower. And then like, because he knows that the mother is after Tess instead of him. And so she follows her baby down to her doom, basically. Yeah. The mother literally uh, becomes a cushion uh, between Tess and the ground. Uh, she breaks the ground for them. She grabs her, gets underneath her somehow falling and they both land on their back, but Tess lands on on the mother monster. Yes. So it breaks her fall. Still got to be painful as fuck if she survives. She does. Spoiler alert. Um, barely. <laughs> and uh, then AJ comes down there, and the son of a bitch yet again has an opportunity <laughs> to actually be a person, and he's just going to fucking like kill uh, kill both of them. I think at this point. Yeah. But that's whenever the mother pops up and rips his fucking eyes out, and you're like, this this is the moment where I was like, okay, this makes up for his character because I've always hated his character in uh, Jeepers. It's like. In that movie, he didn't technically deserve to get his eyes ripped out, but he also was a character that, like, never fought back against the Creeper to actually, you know, keep that from happening. Yeah. I was like, this movie pays back for Jeepers Creepers. You deserve to get your eyes ripped out in that. You deserve your eyes ripped out in this. I was like, thank, you know, thank God she, like, you know, took you out before she died. Yeah. So, <laughs> it was well-deserved. You're like, well, I mean, choices were and made. Then, and then, of course, Tess gets her final. She finally, you know, kills the, and I think it's a glorifying head explosion, wasn't it? Like when she shoots the mother or yeah. whatever happens to her at that point, she finds the gun and blows her brains out. Yes, and the, and the mother lets her. She's like, yeah. she lets her know. She's like, I'm dying. I can't go back to that house. And she puts the gun, and the, the mother says bye-bye in, in the best way she can because her speech isn't quite what it should be. And, yeah. And then that's your movie, and that's, I mean, I, it's great just the yeah. way they did it all the way around. Yes, yes. Um, I don't think we covered the uh, music. It's the only thing we left out, but it's tense. Uh, I don't remember oh, yeah. any particular parts of the score that stood out to me, but it, it does what we've talked about the Asian films didn't necessarily do. It's it, It's it got that, you know, the pauses where it needs to, the large, you know, uh, loud sounds whenever it needs that, and... Um, it, it just works. Yeah. Everything is pretty tense, and everything is on point, too. And doesn't the movie end in a weird, like, 1950s song? Oh, or God. Or am I spoiling a movie that just came out that I watched that might be <laughs> discussed on the next podcast? Hold on. Give me one second. Um, I want to say that it's, it, it, it is. It's like, you know, a Mr. Sandman or something like that. It, I want to say that it is. I'm Which looking. is funny because it's not the only one in 2022 to end that way. Hold on. I'm getting the soundtrack right now. And hopefully it's in sync with the timeline of the movie. But, oh, crap. While you're looking at that, I'll just cover a little bit of trivia to kind of get this yeah, over go with. Ahead. Script started out after Zach Kreger read the book, The Gift of Fear, which encourages women to trust their intuition when confronted by obviously dangerous men. Uh, he used it as a writing exercise and began crafting a 35-minute short that consisted entirely of a conversation which a woman continues to ignore a mounting series of red flags. He liked it well enough that he knew that the makings of a longer film uh, were there and began conceptualizing a broader story. So that explains why the writing is so on par between Tess and... Uh, and, uh, you know, Keith or whatever began the movie because they, you know, he, he basically, that's what he started with and he went from there. So that's awesome. Hmm. Um, 
Krager officially offered the role of AJ to Zach Efron. Uh, Efron turned it down, causing Krager to rethink the role and offer it to Justin Long, who accepted. I guarantee you that if it was initially offered to Efron, that it wasn't as comedic as it ended up being with Long in the role. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Zach Efron tends to play the dramatic side more. Yeah, and I, I've seen I've seen him in comedies. Don't get me wrong, but he's not like naturally, you know, like Justin Justin Long. Just naturally, when you see him, he's there's something about him that that steers toward comedy just most of the time. Well, yeah, and here's the thing too: is uh, first off, I can't believe Justin Long is 44 years old. Um, <laughs> he does not look like a 44 year old man. Uh, no. he's he's very soft spoken. He's got the comedy aspect down. We know that, but. To find out that he's a monster in this film was very unexpected because of what I what I just listed about him. Yeah, he plays against type in this movie because he's usually the uh, goofy uh, uh, friend, or you know, like he he's he's kind of the protagonist in a lot of the movies he's in. Yeah, so it was there was a lot of twist. I mean, what the twist? <laughs> what the twist? Uh, there was a lot of twists in this film, and that was just one of the many. Was him playing an asshole because he just doesn't come off, but he really did pull it off. So, and and in that subtle way too, where it's not like directly him saying that I'm a scumbag. You see it more from his actions and the way oh, he responds to things. Absolutely, there's no words; it's only actions. Uh, although not officially credited anyway, Jordan Peele was an invisible hand in shaping the eventual story. Uh, uh, Georgina Campbell, who plays Tess, told Andy Wire in an interview that Craiger was good friends with Jordan Peele, and I think he spoke to Jordan a lot while he was writing the film, and uh, Peele saw an early cut of it as well. Campbell went on to say that, so he definitely was kind of a part of the essence of the movie. So that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, I personally am not the biggest fan of Jordan Peele's, like, horror movies, but, I mean, if he had a hand in steering this, I mean, yeah. it shows that, I mean, you know, that, that he, he's got a good grasp on the genre, even if oh. I don't appreciate his particular movies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he does. I'm not going to discredit Jordan Peele. Uh, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but he definitely has something. I mean, fuck, look at, um, what's his name? Why can't I think of him right now? Uh, M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. He has a hold on the industry, and a lot yeah. of his films are not great. So Jordan Peele is, is right in there. True. You know, I think cre- creatively, Jordan Peele has some good ideas. Maybe they're just not executed as well for all the films, which is going to happen. Um, update. The creepy-ass old-timey song, You Were Right. There is one. And in terms of this film, it fits so well and makes it even creepier. It's Be My Baby by the Ronettes. That's right. It's uh, like, be my, be my baby. That's right. Yes. That's okay. Oh, my God. So, yes, that's what, we, uh, that's what we're looking Spoiler at. Spoiler alert for another film, uh, Smile ends with Lollipop for some strange uh, reason. So, there you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, anyways, this film is set on 476 Barbary Street. The year 476 was when the barbarians invaded Rome. So that's one of your ties to the barbarian name. Uh-huh. Uh, also, and this is the reason I thought it was, barbarians were given the name as a pejorative term by the Romans because they sounded to the Romans like they were repeatedly saying bar, bar, bar every time that they spoke. That's why they called them barbarians. Oh my well, God. if you listen to the main mother, you know, creature in this movie when it tries to say baby it's a lot of bubba yeah you know like so that's i think that's where the barbarian 
you know, really comes in on it. Holy shit. And then, of course, um, was that the address of that house? Yeah. 476. Oh, Barbary, you said that. Okay. I wasn't sure if you- Barbary Street, yeah. I must have missed that. Okay. Oh, my God. That's fucking awesome. I love that. Yeah, I, it's it's really subtle, just like a lot of the stuff that Craig done in the film. But there, it makes sense whenever you go back and you, you realize that. Yeah. The Hollywood Reporter expose on AJ is written by Kim Masters, who is a real-life reporter at the Trade Publication. In the wake of the Harvey Weinstein cases, she became known for breaking stories about men in film and TV industry have been accused of sexual assault. So they tied that all, whole thing in. Well, goddamn. When... And and the final one, when AJ goes to the luggage at the Airbnb, he opens Keith's suitcase and there's a copy of Jane Eyre under his clothes, much or like the mother, uh, Jane Eyre features an insane woman who is locked away. So that there there's kind of that's that's really deep thinking on behalf of Craiger, the fact that he linked like thematically Jane Eyre to like his insane woman that he's locked away in this one. So Yeah. <laughs> Uh, rating time. I'll let you go first on this one. I want to see what you said on it or what you thought. Um, this one was a huge hit for me. Um, aside from the dumb ho decisions, we really did <laughs> need those. Uh, I, I think the movie still could have been great if they weren't made, like maybe if they were made differently and it still led maybe even to more deaths or more horror, um, in the long run. But, um, this was a 4.5, uh, 4.5 out of 5 rotting corpses for me. Uh there was it was fast and action packed. Uh it got to the point it was horrific. I didn't get time to catch my breath which made it harder in the next scene to find out even more horrific scenes during softer points in the film like when we are in the 80s. You know, 80s Detroit and you're like what's going on here and you realize what the fuck is happening? Why? <laughs> I'm trying to get over the scene where I just saw fucking Justin Long get thrown into a cage and I'm like, he's going to die horrifically, you know? I've seen a monster. There's a fucking monster. What the fuck is going on? You know? Oh, wait, no, this guy's a monster, you know? Um... Just scene after scene, the jump scares were great. The music wasn't overbearing that it made the jump scare. The jump scares made themselves. Uh, Yes, they did. The scenery was fucking horrific. Everywhere you turn, the only thing good in this film was that Airbnb house in Shitsville, USA. You know? (laughs) So uh, the monster was realistic in the terms that it wasn't. Once you really got to see her, you understood why she looked like a monster is she was just like she, and it was tragic too. Yes, yes, is tragically hor- horrifying. Um, it, it, she's the way that she is for a reason because of the of her. She's a product of her environment and of how she became. She's not really a monster. She's just grossly like uh, deformed. She has been raised since the time that she was a child to be told that the only thing that she is good for is to make more babies and yes. to raise them. And that's what she has been programmed in her head to do. And she has found her baby and she's trying to take care of it. Yes. And it's, it's, it's a sad twisted, you know, thing that she's the villain, but she is just because, you know, all the stuff that surrounds that. Yeah. The only thing that doesn't make sense is how she is so strong. And I don't know if that's, Something that happens. I thought that when you are that inbred, you're actually weak. Like your bones are different, you know, they're not as dense and 
what whatnot. You, you probably would be, although I mean, it's it's operating on the movie logic of you know, like the, I hate to say it, but like you know, they used to call the, you know that horrible word retard strength. You know, yes. it's like you know, it, I think it's operating on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, or something similar. I mean, it's a trope in movies that like, if you're, you know, the, the, I mean, like wrong turn uses it, for instance, like they're, you know, those inbred, you know, uh, hillbillies in that movie uh, are not only super strong, but they're also immune to pain. So yeah. it's like, you know, they, they went that route with it. Uh, full show. What about you? So I originally put 4.2 in this. I'm going to bump it up to 4.3, and it could go up even higher as I rewatch it because I really do love this movie. I would rate it higher than that, but this has been uh, between September and October has been the best set of movies, horror movies I've seen in a long time. I'm not going to lie. It's this and then Pearl and then Smile. Just, I mean, bam, 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 one after another. And this is the least of the three, in my opinion, and wow. it's still amazing. Yeah. So, uh, now, Pearl could be argued to be less, depending upon what you're looking for, because it's more of a, a dramatic piece. It's more, you know, like, but it's the, the story and the and the character, you know, like, uh, kind of dissection, dissection that they're doing for Pearl it bumps it up to more, more like a 4.5 for me. And that's why I, I had to rank them. I'm ranking this technically against pearls, what I'm doing. I hate, I don't want to do that, but like when I saw them pretty close to each other, it's like, well, one has to get a slightly lower rating than the other one. So, um, so I would say this is about a 4.3, 4.4. And like I said, it could go up because there, I really have nothing wrong with this movie other than the fact that it, it there is a bit of the old, old school horror cheesiness. I love, love it but i mean it's it's not like you know the but there's other things i've seen in other movies recently that if you're going to straight up you know for a horror movie you're you're better off you know you, you may be looking for them although there's nothing wrong with the horror scenes in this movie either so yeah it, it, you know it, it's it's up there they did it really well for sure um like i said before it's uh the comedy uh, <laughs> compliments the action the cheesy and the tension there's tension in the movie uh great visual world building like i said and the reliance on the audience to keep up which i love because i hate when movies explain something to you that you've already seen and it's like i don't need you to tell me what I realized that those two characters were, you know, like for instance, like lovers. I didn't need you to tell me explicitly that they were. I mean, the 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 glances and the way they interacted with each other, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's like oh, one yeah. of those things. So no, I think that what they did really well too is they broke the tension so good that when it came back, your anxiety went through the roof again. Yes, it's like okay, we just got a reprieve from this. Don't you know? Don't go back into that hole or whatever. And you know, of course, the for various reasons, the next character in the series, you know, goes down that yeah. that you know that route. You're so. like no, and I shouldn't say they broke it so good because they didn't. You you went from something horrific to something horrific, but it was a different type of horror. So technically, you got a break, but you didn't. It went from yeah, like the, one type of horror the, to a different one. The biggest break you get in the movie is with the the AJ scenes. And even then, the implications, once you realize that he's, you know, what he's done and what he is a person doesn't necessarily break it up that much. It's just, you know, he's just a goofy-ass person. He's a different type of monster. And then you go into 1980s Detroit, and you think it's a break because it's a way smoother, it's a way cleaner, prettier-looking scenery, but you're dealing with a monster. (laughs) Traditional Americana. They got the the flags waving and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, it was nonstop. 
but high recommendations from both of us. If you, I mean, you know, it's, it's just a great film. Yes. Know that I was irritated in this film a lot though, for sure. <laughs> but I think it really drove to how good of the film it was. So. And with that folks, peace be with you. And with your spirit. And if I had the chance, I'd never let you go. So won't you say you love me? I'll make you so proud of me. We'll make you turn their heads every place we go. So won't you please keep my